you have questions like Jesse does, maybe you need to get back to the basics. Enjoy this B2B message from Pastor Jason. Father God, we come to you thanking you so much for all that you are, lifting up worship to you as the holy God above all things and ordaining all things from the beginning, God. We know that nothing in our lives, nothing in our situation surprises you. Nothing in this country has you shaken in any way, God. We know that you are firmly in control and we lift you up and worship you. And we we praise you this evening, God, for all of which all of the many blessings that you've given us, all of the wonderful things that you've done for us, and mostly for Jesus, our Savior, and the fact that we can be set free. God, we ask you right now that you would help all of those who may be suffering in some way. God, those who may be sick, those who may be in trouble financially, God, who may hear this, God, give them peace, God, throughout this time of suffering. Let them know that you are God and you are sovereign and that you're working all things to the good of those who love you and for your glory as well. We thank you, God, for all that you do. We ask that tonight be a moment in time that we will ever forever remember, God, that we will remember what we're being taught, that we will call it to remembrance when it is time, that it may be a help to us, and not only to us, but to others that we speak to, God. Let us learn from your word. God, we know that you are great and powerful and mighty. And God, we lift up all praise and honor to you. We surrender ourselves to you. If there be any evil way in us, let us see that so that we may kill it. God, we ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue our teaching on the Apostles' Creed uh, this evening. Uh, I want to read you the Apostles' Creed as we do each, each time we gather together. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the everlasting life. Amen. So, one thing I wanted to mention um, it talks about the Holy Catholic Church. I know we've talked about it before, but for those who may not know that, the Holy Catholic Church refers to the universal Christian church, the ones who name Jesus as their Savior, and that's what it's talking about. I've heard some uh, people who say this creed who actually say the Holy Christian Church. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you feel more comfortable with that as you're learning the creed and as you're memorizing the creed and teaching it to your children, if you actually feel more comfortable saying the Holy Christian Church and not the Holy Catholic Church, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, it would be a, a perfect, perfectly fine replacement for that word. But just so you know, it's not anything to do with the Roman Catholic Church or being a Catholic or anything like that. This is talking about the universal Christian Church. And that's what they were talking about when they created this creed. Now, we are to the next uh, the next section here. It's two lines. They go together. We've done, I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Now we are to who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, I want to dive right in to text on this. Um, wonderful text. You probably hear it every Christmas. But there's so much more to this than just a, a Christmas story. This is a very important thing that we need to learn and understand. So let me read to you the infallible Word of God. Now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. Luke 1, we're going to read verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, which is inerrant. It is infallible. It stands the test of time. It is unquestionably your word. And we thank you that we have the ability to see it in our language, read it and access it at any time we would like. God, we ask that you would remove the veil, that we may have your knowledge revealed to us more clearly. Bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may retain it and use it in our lives. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we look at this, this is the telling of one of the most important moments in history. Okay, this is the birth of the seed of the woman talked about in Genesis 3.15. If you read in Scripture, if you go through the Old Testament all, you see that the seed of the woman was sought after so much because of the fact that he would begin to destroy the works of sin and the fall that man took. Um, and that's what... That's what the people of Israel were looking for forever, and God was constantly giving them a type and a shadow and a piece and a, and a picture of what it would look like, although it was imperfect until Christ. But this may not seem like a major point of the creed. This seems kind of like the transitional point, right? We want to get to the death, burial, and resurrection. But R.C. Sproul brings this up in his teaching on... Uh, the Apostles' Creed, called Basic Training on Ligonier Connect. 
and and I, as in listening to him teach it, it was so amazing. It was awesome. As he brought up some things that I've never even thought about, but he brought up some very important reasons why we should look at this as a very important part of the Apostles' Creed. First being that the affirmation of the virgin birth is central to a belief in Christ. Now, Christ, we learned last week, is Mashiach, the Anointed One. We must believe in Jesus as Christ, as the Anointed One of God, the One who came to redeem us. In order for Him to be Christ, there had to be a virgin birth. So we must believe the virgin birth in order to believe in Him as Christ. Also, the virgin birth is not negotiable. We, we can't get rid of that part and believe the rest because it seems unbelievable. If you look, Luke recorded that virgin was, was said over and over again. That, that he, there was a virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. And then Mary said, well, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. It was very clear that Mary was a virgin. Okay? So as we're looking at that, we must believe that part in order to believe the rest. Because that's the beginning of the story. That's the most important, that's one of the most pivotal moments in the whole thing. And we'll talk about why that is so important a little bit later. Also, in church history, in the original early church, a person was not allowed to join their church unless they affirmed and believed in the virgin birth of Christ. If they didn't believe that, they were not allowed to even join their church. So, it's a very important piece of the puzzle of your Christianity and your affirmation of faith and your justification and understanding of who Christ is to affirm his virgin birth. Al Mohler, in his book, The Apostles' Creed, as you know, we're reading this, he, he says something very interesting, and I think he puts it so plainly in his book on page 42. He says that the scriptures teach nothing less than the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Indeed, without such a birth, there is no gospel. A Christian who does not believe in the virgin birth is in eternal peril. For the one in whom he believes is not the one who is testified in the scriptures. So what he's saying there is, if you try to believe in a Christ that doesn't have a virgin birth, you're believing in the wrong Christ. So you are in you're in peril, and and he's absolutely correct. He he he's stating something that we must understand. The virgin birth is an essential part of who Mashiach Christ is. So, based on th- that important truth. I believe in my study and in the Word and Scripture and in the in the, the Ligonier teaching and the Apostles' Creed book that I've read. I pulled out I think four essential important reasons that we must believe the Virgin Birth and why it's an important piece of the Apostles' Creed and our faith, um, our faith being the Christian faith. Um, the first I believe is is one of maybe the most important, um, it's prophesied. 
And we can't rely on Christ unless we look at the prophecies about the Christ, about the Messiah that was to come. We can't believe in the Christ unless we look at those prophecies and believe what those prophecies are telling us. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course we know Emmanuel means God with us. God was only with us in one incarnation, in Christ. Now, Mashiach must be born of a virgin. Period. That's what it says. Only one person in all of human history fits that bill. Nobody else. Christ. Christ is the only one. And in fact, a little later in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it says this, talking about this child. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And what did it say in Luke? It says that the Lord God will give this child who has been given to Mary the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. So, prophecy is fulfilled in this moment, in this virgin birth of Christ. This child that was born of the virgin is the savior of the world. The pivot point of our faith is a belief in Christ. That's when we truly understand that we are justified. Is when we repent of our sin, turn away from it, leave it behind and go towards God, and then we have a belief in not just the mental side of things, but an understanding of this is the Son of God, this is Christ, and He becomes our Lord. Only one who is born of a virgin could fit that bill, and that was Christ. Now, a second very important point is this. Christ can only accomplish his work of redemption as fully God and fully man. Okay, so you may be asking, well, what does that have to do with a virgin birth? Very simple. You see, the fully God side of this speaking of the deity of Christ, is one of the most challenged pieces of Scripture and of truth that has happened throughout the history of the church. There are constantly those who want to challenge the deity of Christ. They want to challenge that He is God. They want to say He's a man who's 
maybe blessed by the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a heresy we hear nowadays. He was just a man who was blessed with the Holy Spirit, and he's able to do all these things so that we can do all them too. No, it's not true. He was fully God and fully man. If we look in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, because listen, the reason why this is being written is because like I said, the deity of Christ is the most often challenged piece of scripture that there is. So it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Listen to this. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. He is fully God. Christ is fully God. Okay? Fully. And it's clear in that scripture that... While being fully man, being on this earth, he was fully God too. And that's absolutely necessary for our salvation. And we need to understand that that's true. He had to be fully man in order to be able to fulfill the the righteous requirements of the law and to physically die. That was the reason why he had to be fully man. Also, he had to be fully God, in order to be sinless and to take all of our sin upon himself on the cross and also to endure the full wrath of God on the cross. So Christ was fully God and fully man. And this was possible because of the fact that it says, in, like, like in the creed, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So, not by normal means, not by a man's seed. That's why he's called the seed of the woman, because no man's seed was necessary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and the power of God conceived this child in her. But he was also born of normal means. Like he went through, he 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 was born just like every other child. He was born from his mother's womb. Therefore, fully God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by a man's seed, and born of a woman, fully man. So in this Christ dwells bodily the deity of, of God as well as the fullness of being a man. And that's that, that's... So important for us to know. Next, the next point is that Christ must not be tainted by original sin. Okay? Psalm 51 5 says this Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That is true of every man. Every man who is who is conceived by, by natural means. With a mother and a father, every man is conceived in iniquity. Every man is under the penalty, under the uh, curse of the sin and the fall of Adam. Original sin. 
every man is, 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 has to deal with that. We're born guilty. Like I said, because of Adam's sin, we are born guilty. But listen, Christ has no original sin. Because he was not born in that way. He was not conceived in that way. That's why he doesn't have the old sin nature that we struggle with. We struggle with that old sin nature. Even when we were in Christ, we, we struggle with sin, wanting to kill sin, trying to, trying to clean out our lives, being sanctified. Christ didn't have original sin, therefore he had no old sin nature, which is how he could live a sinless life. Because he didn't give in to the old sin nature. Now, he was able to do what we couldn't in that. Because we were cursed with original sin. We had the old sin nature to deal with. But thanks be to God that the virgin birth happened. So there was no original sin for Christ. Lastly, one that I don't know that we look at as much, and this is something that R.C. Sproul spent a lot of, spent a lot of time on, and really he kind of enlightened me on something. It was, it was a wonderful teaching. I encourage you, if you haven't subscribed to Ligonier Connect, do that. It, it's a great resource, great teachings on there, uh, study guides, awesome. But the fourth reason why Christ had to be have a virgin birth is because he needed to... It is in order to display Christ's true nature as our Redeemer. First, let's take a comparison here, okay? The Trinity. One of the most difficult things to really explain, understand, think about. Very, very kind of kind of tough to think, kind of tough to figure out sometimes. But what we have is one essence and three persons. God is one essence. And three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's mystery in this. Because our finite minds aren't made this way. We don't, it doesn't work that way for us. We're, we feel like we're one person with one, you know, one nature and soul and, and, and personality and, and that's it. So, there's much mystery in the Trinity, the study of it is delight. I love studying the Trinity. It's one of my favorite things to study. But this is much like the person of Christ, that there is mystery contained. Because, you see, Christ is one person and two natures. Looking at Philippians. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality God, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So, this makes it clear he was in the form of God. And he took on, as well, the form of man. So he's one person with two natures. Christ is a divine person. 
and he has a human and a divine nature. Only possible for one who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. This is a mystery. This is the mystery of incarnation. One day maybe we'll understand all these great mysteries, but for now, we need to see the importance of the virgin birth in providing for what was necessary for us to be redeemed and justified. But why is this important for us? Why is it important that we affirm this? Well, much like the old the old church affirming the virgin birth is affirming the correct Christ. If you throw out the virgin birth as mystical or too crazy, a fable, a myth, then you're throwing out one of the essential prophecies of Mashiach. You are following a Christ of your own making, and you are following the wrong Christ. So, it is essential that you believe in the virgin birth. So, as you go through and as you study the Apostles' Creed more, understand it doesn't have, it's not as flashy as some of the other lines, but it is a key point to trust in the fact that Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So, I leave that with you. Let us pray. And I, I would hope that this would be something that you would grasp and you would take in and you would learn and that you would understand the importance of it, that it's not just the story for Christmas, it's the story for all time. Uh, J. Gresham Mockham wrote a, or J. Gresham Machen wrote a book on the virgin birth of Christ. It's a book that I plan on actually reading a little bit closer to Christmas time, so maybe I'll have a, you know, a set of teachings on it or something, I don't know. But it, it's it's so wonderful, It's and it's so neat to think of, it's it's one of the most beautiful parts of the story, really, if you think on it. That God would choose a lowly teenage virgin to carry the Son of God and birth Him. It's, it's beautiful. And because of it, we can be redeemed of our sins. Thank God. Thank Him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for these tenets of the faith that we are learning through the Apostles' Creed. We lift you up as holy. We know that you are the maker of heaven and earth. We know that Christ is your only begotten Son. He is our Lord. And we believe in the Holy Spirit and his work, which is at, at work in us right now who are in Christ. He is cleaning us. He is leading us. He is helping us. He is comforting us. He is teaching us. He is helping us to be sanctified daily, to be saved more and more each day. Thank you for that great, great power that is at work. Father, we just ask right now that any who would hear this would be blessed by it, they would learn and they would grasp this information, that it may help them in some way as they go throughout their life, that they may know exactly what they believe so that they may be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within them with kindness and respect. And God, we ask that you would help any of those who don't know you who may hear this, God, let something here, some knowledge of this spark and interest, 
Holy Spirit, do your work. Father, draw them unto yourself. And we thank you so much. And we ask that you would help all of our people who would hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for uh, listening up. And hope you have a blessed week. We will see you Sunday morning, 11 a.m. at Reality Church. God bless. We hope you were blessed by this message from Pastor Jason. If you like what you heard, go ahead to our Facebook page and like Reality Church. Also, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reality Church. God bless you.